Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Repro Film podcast series as part of the monthly Repro periodical where we send lots of Repro goodness straight to your inbox, including links to current and relevant articles, important organizations to support, a short film to watch, and conversations like this with filmmakers and artists. This month's theme is pleasure, something that I know will make people squirm uncomfortably at the thought of talking about sex in a way that is enjoyable, safe, and pleasurable. Chalk it up to generations of patriarchal and conservative ideas around especially cisgender women's bodies and our ability to make our own autonomous decisions. But imagine the type of world we would see if sexual pleasure wasn't so taboo or seen as something negative. I think we would see some radical shifts in how people of all genders and identities are allowed to live and experience life. It would be a whole new take on freedom, something which we talk up a lot here in the United States. So in the interest of furthering the conversation about pleasure, sex and freedom, this episode will be all about this. Our short film this month is called Marcy Learns Something New, starring Saturday Night Live alum and all-round comedic genius Rachel Dratch. The film was written and directed by Oscar-winning filmmaker Julia Kennelly, no big deal, who is based in both New York City and Los Angeles. Her producing career is something that I would label as hashtag goals, especially as a producer and storyteller myself. Julia was a producer on the HBO documentary series The Vow, all about the survivors and victims of the Nixium cult. She has a passion for narrative film and has produced over 20 short films, including The Neighbor's Window, directed by Marshall Curry, which won the Oscar for Best Live Action Short at the 2020 Academy Awards. As a director, Marcy Learned Something New is only her second film, and it won a special jury mention in comedy at Aspen Shorts Fest in 2020. In a nutshell, the film is about a widow who goes to a dominatrix class. Are you hooked now? Because I certainly was the minute I read that logline. Feeling run down by the usual cycle of self-improvement programs, the widow, played by Rachel Dratch, tries going to a dominatrix workshop. Inspired by success in the class, she meets a younger man online and embarks on a first dominant experience with him. This film is funny, heartwarming, sweet and empowering. It's a reminder that there are so many aspects of sexuality and pleasure that need to be destigmatized, which we will chat about. So enough solo talk from me. Here is Julia Kennelly. Julia, thank you so much for joining me today. Before we dive into your short film, Marcy Learns Something New, which I love, um, I'd love to chat a little bit about your filmmaking background and find out how you got into this industry. So I was a theater kid and I um, went to college for theater and sort of like, I guess I didn't, where I was growing up, I didn't really um, know much about film or what, that that would kind of be an option for me. And I thought sort of, oh, I'm not qualified to do that, you know, but I always loved movies. And I, when I was doing theater in college with, you know, my friends, we sort of decided to start doing little, you know, videos and web series and that sort of thing. Um, And I was really into sketch comedy. Uh, So we started doing that just sort of collaboratively collaboratively as a group and it made me realize that I really loved film and also that I didn't know anything about how to make it in a way that was good so I decided I need to sort of pivot and um, figure out how to actually make good films 
Um, so I sort of started producing because it was something that other people, you know, that I was around weren't as interested in because it didn't seem like a very creative job, I think. Um, but I was like, well, I'll do it. You know, I want to learn what, what this is. So I just sort of agreed to do whatever people were doing. And that was, you know, starting with some short films and um, people's sort of passion projects. And then uh, eventually made my way into commercial producing, which was how I actually was able to be paid and learn about professional filmmaking. Um, and so while I was doing that, I was continuing to, you know, just work honestly with my friends that I had made in school after school, this really great, you know, artistic community in New York that we were making these passion project films uh, in order to learn how to actually write and direct my own work in addition to producing. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of passion projects and unpaid hours that go into um, a pathway like yours. And of course, so far it's led you to work on an Oscar winning film. No big deal. Just throw yeah. that in the <laughs> intro there. But um, so tell me how the idea for Marcy Learn Something New first came about. What made you want to explore a sex positive theme with an older woman as the protagonist? So I first sort of came into contact with the idea of workshops for BDSM at this live storytelling event um, in Brooklyn, where this woman told a story about going to a dominatrix class. And I, you know, knew a little bit about the BDSM scene, but I had no idea that you could just kind of show up to a beginner level yeah, class no for it. Yeah. And I, and I was intrigued by this, you know, I was like, oh, you can just show up and like find them online. So um, I thought her story was really interesting. And she, although she was, I guess, in college when she had this experience. And so I was like, I mean, it, the environment was interesting to me, but I, when I was thinking about trying to adapt it into my own story, I just felt like someone who's older, it, you get that journey much more dramatically in some ways of like discovering yourself um, in a very, or not more dramatically, but it's in a very different way than when you're young. Um, and I think also it's something that for some women, I feel like you can relate to, even if you are younger, if you feel kind of behind in your journey with sexuality, or you feel like there was this expectation that you would be totally, you know, know everything about yourself and everything about what you wanted out of sex when actually the culture didn't ever provide that for you, you know, like that everything, especially when I was growing up is very, you know, male centric in terms of what we learn from pop culture about sex. So I think it was sort of something that was relatable to people who are younger, even though it's a story about someone who's older. Um, so yeah, so then I went, you know, of course I signed up. I was like, well, I've got to go check out these classes and find out what they're like. And also just the types of people who are there. It was like every kind of person from every sort of walk of life who is just checking it out. And, um, and it's just a very like positive supportive environment too, because, uh, you know, it's, it's something like kind of like an improv class, I would say, like you have to kind of be willing to do something potentially really embarrassing in front of this group of people who you don't even know. Um, and also, and the class that I was going to, they're not, you know, it's not really about like the sexual aspects, if you will. Like it's more about, you know, learning power dynamics, learning how to properly paddle someone. And so you don't injure them, you know, <laughs> like there's a lot of really technical details that go into it and safety. And, um, and so, yeah, so I just watched all these people, like there were plenty of women who were older who were there and, you know, people of all genders and races and identities. Um, so it was a really wonderful experience. 
I love that you talk about power dynamics. I feel like that's something more people, everyone in society needs to learn about. And so maybe mm-hmm. BDSM classes need to be mandatory. I don't know, but yeah. just power dynamics is so universal that I love that that's part of that, the subculture mm-hmm. and, and of your film as well. And, you know, because sex and pleasure on screen is so limited when it comes to accurate portrayals among a diverse range of women, especially, and it's often from the male gaze. So as a mm-hmm. director, writer and producer, can you tell us why it's important we see more realistic stories of women quote unquote over a certain age being allowed to enjoy pleasure and own their own sexuality I guess primarily because it reflects reality you know I think it's like what is the purpose of filmmaking should be to show truth about the world and I think sort of only portraying sex in this very limited sort of pornographic sexualized or not sexual um you know transactional way is not yeah 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 it's not um, what reality is. Right. And, uh, so I think in terms of older women, just literally being visible on screen is huge. And I, and I think part of that change is coming about just because there are more women filmmakers now. I mean, it's still not, you know, it's not equal, but it is, it definitely has improved. Um, and I think that's significant, certainly. Uh, and it, it does, I mean, I do believe that all of this, as we were talking about in multiple areas, the representation truly does, does matter because otherwise it feels like, oh, this type of person just doesn't exist, you know, if we don't see them on screen. Um, so I think that is, it's very important. And it also is like to just kind of completely erase that part of yourself, especially when women, when we're younger, are so sexualized and it's sort of like, that's kind of how you're valued by society in a certain way to then be okay well as soon as you're you know whatever 40 it's like now that thing that we decided was a big part of your value actually doesn't exist anymore so therefore you sort of like step to the side it's put out to pasture yeah. <laughs> yeah it's so bizarre yeah it's really weird but I'm glad that there are films like this and people like you breaking down that stigma so it's really great Rachel Dratch is phenomenal in this role as she is in everything she does um how did she get involved in this film and how did it help the film having a known name actress in the lead? Like, how does that work when you're submitting to festivals or getting funding? I'd love to learn a bit about that. So Rachel came about, we had a wonderful casting director, Andrew Feminella, who um, cast High Maintenance. And I thought, you know, High Maintenance was sort of the perfect uh, type of project I felt that would be as a comp for this because you get so many just wonderful New York actors who worked on that show. And I thought that they would really know, you know, who would be, game for this sort of thing they have a really great eye for this the sort of the tone um and they had a good relationship with Rachel's agent and so when I first was working with them you know they suggested her and I was like absolutely I would love for her to be part of it and we you know we basically just went out to them I wrote you know a letter about why I really wanted her for the role and um we had (laughs) we had a we had a phone call you know before she agreed to do it in which the agent described it as she has to know that the director isn't a total loon. And I thought, well, I guess we'll know if she, does, if she says no after this, what her impression was of me. Um, but yeah, so that was really wonderful. And she was just, I mean, so kind and generous with her time and so game. And like, I just, everything about it was really uh, wonderful working with her. Um, and then, yeah, as I mean, as I'm sure you're aware and your listeners are aware, the short film market is very, saturated um so it's hard it's very hard to get into festivals and to get your film seen and 
Um, I think having a name actor, you know, it's one obviously just valuable because she's an incredible actor, but also, yeah, absolutely. It helps, you know, I mean, I Mm. think, I think, you know, festivals also need to make money to survive. And so they do need some things that are going to draw people into the programming. And I think, you know, the same way that it works with features, it's really helpful. That said, I don't want to give the impression like you can't make a short film without someone famous in it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I completely, I would say that was a huge help in terms of the film's visibility. And and also Rachel specifically has a very loyal following Mm -hmm. and, you know, she doesn't get seen in this type of role. So people were really excited. Like when I put the film online, there were so many, you know, comments and people were just being like, oh, she's so great. We don't see enough of her. It's so fun to see her in this type of role. So um, that was certainly helpful for the film as well. How long was the shoot altogether? Like how many days did you have her on set? How many days were you filming? Uh, we shot for four days and she was on every day because she's in every scene in the movie. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I love to hear that there are celeb- celebrities out there who want to do passion projects. So filmmakers out there, do not be discouraged. Reach yeah. out to celebrities. You never know. They may say yes. So especially if it's like within their wheelhouse and something that would appeal to, you know, their repertoire. So that's really good to know. We have seen a handful of recent major Hollywood films that portray women over a certain age, which, again, I really hate saying that. They're yeah. just women, but <laughs> I feel like for the sake of society, until we change, I just have to, you know, say it. But, um, you know, seeing these women owning and exploring their sexuality, such as Emma Thompson and Good Luck to You, Leo Grande. I think I said that right. Grand, Leo Grand, Grande. Yeah. Think of Ariana Grande. And mm-hmm. Sally Phillips in the Australian film, How to Please a Woman. What do you make of this recent shift in the types of stories we see on screen? And, and maybe why has this shift happened, do you think? Well, I think, again, I'm sh- I think a large part of it is, yeah, having more women writing and directing these stories and not you know 100% because obviously there are you know wonderful movies about women made by men but I you know in general I think that's definitely a big part of it it's like yeah we tend Mm. to think about oh this is me you know I think like you know when I think about myself I'm like yeah I would like to be older I'd like to make you know I'd like to keep living um and I would like to think of myself as a complete person you know who deserves their own story to be told so you know I think it is just a different relationship to sexuality when it's something that you either have experienced or are going to experience yourself instead of like an idea of someone else um so I certainly think that's a large part of it and I guess in general you know culturally there's just been a big shift in the past I don't know 20 years about what sexuality is and like is it this really narrow definition of like certain people are acceptable, certain bodies are acceptable to be sexual, or is it that that's something for everyone and that it looks different for different people? So that seems like a very positive shift in the culture that I think people are more open to. I want to talk about that shift and get back to that in a second. But first, um, I, I want to talk about the way that Marcy decides to try a BDSM class in her newfound exploration um, and your research into this area, um, you're portrayed in such a positive and welcoming light, like you mentioned earlier. And, you know, it often becomes stigmatized in movie portrayals or media in general. And often that's down to just a lack of awareness. Um, can you tell me more about, I know you mentioned before you did the class and you learned about it, but I'd love to learn more about um, 
you know, the BDSM world as you learned and put the research into this film? Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, I think that the media portrayal of BDSM is generally terrible. Um, mm. It's kind of like either pathologized, you know, as an explanation for, you know, someone's abuse or um, psychopathy or whatever, you know, or it's a joke. Mm. Like, it's like, oh, this person is, you know, ridiculous because they're into this thing sexually, which is can't be taken seriously. Um, when, you know, as you're talking about earlier, the power dynamic thing, it's, it's externalizing something that already exists, right? So it's like, there is, there are power dynamics present in sex and in the world. And by actually talking about it and gamifying it in a way, you're then controlling what you actually want out of the experience instead of just allowing this power dynamic to sort of railroad you into whatever you think that sort of generic script is supposed to be. Um, so yeah, my experience learning about it is like, it's actually, you know, I think people think of it as being very dark or, you know, violent or again, a symptom of abuse. When the reality is, I think it's actually a reaction to a society and a narrative around sex that's really toxic that we've just accepted. So people in the BDSM community are very uh, aware of taking care of each other, being really thoughtful about what the other person actually wants and what's going to make them happy. Um, and often actually in this very like silly lighthearted way, you know, like I, I think people, part of the reason people mock it is because they're like, Oh, how could you take yourself seriously doing these kinds of things? And it's like, you don't necessarily have to do it in a serious way. You know, people are having fun. People are laughing. Like that's um, also part of any sex or just relationships in general is being able to have fun and play with each other. That was the thing that I wanted to show about, that community in the film is that it's not always like dark, serious, you know, a sign that something is wrong with you. It's like, it's fun and it's empowering. So going back to the sex positivity and pleasure positivity of your film and talking about what is happening socially and politically right now, i.e. a steep regression in bodily autonomy in the United States for people with uteruses with the overturn of Roe v. Wade, trans kids and athletes being attacked and accusations of quote-unquote grooming from the far right when it comes to teaching sex ed in schools, which, by the way, we need more of and it's mm -hmm. so bad in the US. It is depressing to see, but how can films like yours play a role in changing hearts and minds and how can storytelling be a powerful tool for change? Yeah, well, I think um, I my when I gravitate towards making films, it's like very much about sort of a relatable character journey that the political achievements are sort of secondary to that. You know, like I think that there's two, there's sort of two ways of going about it, right? And some films that are like really specifically political and the point mm -hmm. is to say, you know, this is what this issue is. This is why it's really important. And they just dramatize it. And I think for me, I kind of, I the films that I like to make are more, um, it's more like you just actually see something from someone's perspective and perhaps that would make you think differently about it. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think when it comes to all of these issues of gender and sexuality discrimination, sometimes it is about just showing people in a human way that hopefully, you know, eventually over time, as we're talking about with representation does actually make people see them uh, as real people. And um, I think, you know, there's evidence for this obviously in, 
in the past, especially with like, you know, sitcoms and stuff in these ways that you think, oh, that seems so basic or like, oh, that wasn't a very, it was a very flawed portrayal of, you know, a queer character or whatever, but that people who thought they didn't know any queer people and then, you know, they liked Will and Grace or whatever actually did change their minds about it. And I think today it's easy to sort of look down on that and say like, well, that wasn't, you know, Mm. (laughs) maybe the best portrayal of it. Um, But the reality is I think it's like, it's all, it all works together. Right. And you have, you know, these really strong political films that are really, you know, going at it in a way that is really direct and is important. And then there's also sort of room for what's a story that can kind of bring people in, in a way that they're not feeling um, alienated by it. And then they maybe think, oh, interesting. I didn't feel alienated by that. I do actually kind of relate to that character. Perhaps I feel differently about this. So, you know, it's, it's hard because obviously there's just an incredible amount of hatred and division that you can't change overnight, whether it's through Mm. film or through activism or anything. I mean, it's a really hard time to be in this country or in the world, but, um, my hope is that there are people who are affected by seeing characters that they perhaps didn't think that they would have related to. Yeah. I mean, when you read the log line, a widow tries a BDSM class, it's like, I want to see that film. Yeah. <laughs> what is this about? Who is this widow? Why is she trying a BDSM class? So yeah. I thought that was brilliant. Um, what is next for Marcy Learn Something New? I hear a rumor that the short film may not be the last or the final iteration of this story. Mm-hmm. Tell us more. Uh, yeah. So I'm working on a feature version of it, um, awesome. which we'll see, you know, what, what that turns into, but um, hopefully hopefully something that people will be able to see in the near-ish future. It obviously it takes a long time, but <laughs> um, I would love to explore this in a longer form. And I think uh, it seems like it's something people would want to see. So that's my hope. <laughs> and why did you decide to do a feature film? Was it because of the reaction you've been getting? Was it the feedback? Tell me, tell me about how that decision came about. Yeah. Uh, yes, actually it is that. Cause originally I didn't think that, that was what I was going to do. And you know, the short to feature pipeline is sort of fraught with, um, mistakes, <laughs> I oh. think for a lot of people. Um, and initially I was like, no, this is just kind of a calling card for the type of filmmaker that I am. And it's not specifically a proof of concept for anything. Um, I also thought it was difficult to maintain, whoa, maintain the tone. Um, because I think there's a, there's a trap in this kind of story where it's like, oh, and then every week Marcy tries a more extreme type of BDSM, you know, which is not really the point. Right. Um, so I had to think about, you know, what is a larger context for the story that makes sense and gives her the full journey that she should, that she deserves and also doesn't take it into totally a really different place or into a place that is, um, ultimately shock value or you know that sort of thing so that's really not the, you know it should be a sweet film is the yeah. point um but I think I did I think I did solve that problem hopefully <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah so it's a work in progress and uh I hope that um it's something that people can see maybe even in a theater who knows um well, you've got to keep us posted because I am definitely going to be watching the feature version of this and we'll definitely share it with our audience. So if there's yeah. one thing you'd like people to remember or love most about watching Marcy Learn Something New after they watch it on the Repro Film Periodical, what would it be? Um, I mean, I guess just like, I think that something that her character 
has that I really admire is just like a willingness to, I mean, yeah, try something new. Right. But I think there are times, especially right now where it can feel like shutting down is the only way to react to difficult circumstances. And I think that, but it's, but that ultimately is not really the solution. Right. And I think seeking out, um, seeking out things and people that bring you joy, even if it's something that feels like maybe potentially incredibly embarrassing or like something that you never thought that would be for you um, is really the only way forward, you know? And I think this film hopefully invites people to perhaps try something new themselves, even if it's, you know, a pottery class, I don't know. <laughs> I love that. That's sweet. Yeah. yeah. Encouraging people to try something new, just like Marcy, yeah. whether it's BDSM class or anything. I think yeah. we, we live in such a state of fear right now and there's so much going on that to find even the smallest sliver of joy is, is something that's necessary. So yeah, I love that message. Really great. Um, and finally, where can people follow you and see more of your work? Um, so I have a website, which is just juliakennelly.com. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, which is at JM Kennelly. And currently I have no other social media, but maybe, who knows, maybe I'll have more someday. <laughs> you might have to. L listen, once you make the feature version of Marcy, um, I think you might have a cult following. So <laughs> I'm just going to throw that throw that out there and manifest it for you. Great. <laughs> Julia Kennelly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. You know what? I feel so lighthearted and hopeful after this conversation with Julia. We need more joy and pleasure in our lives right now in this bleak, bleak world. Who is with me? So if you haven't yet seen the film, head to reprofilm.org to subscribe to our monthly periodical and get the link to watch Marcy Learn Something New. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of the Repro Film Podcast. And let me give my regular shout outs to our crew who make the periodical happen each month. The Repro Film Podcast is executive produced by Mama Film, hosted and produced by me, Asha Dyer, edited by Kylie Brown, with original music by Paris Jane and Maurice Anthony. The periodical is programmed by Neha Aziz and written by Emily Christensen. Alex Scambardi is our social media manager and Rebecca Sosa is our distribution and impact strategist. You can find us on social media at Repro Film Official on Instagram and Facebook and at Repro Film Fest on Twitter. I look forward to bringing you our next conversation next month. Bye for now.